It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. The Last Factor Podcast. What is up, College Across fans? You're watching another episode of these quick little Saturday specials of the Lax Factor podcast. I like to recap games individually on Saturdays when teams play on Fridays, and we're going to continue that through the season. In today's video, we're going to talk about Hobart and Syracuse. Hobart came to Syracuse for the uh, uh, Krause-Simmons trophy, and it didn't disappoint. High-scoring game, offense all over the place. Before I start talking about it, though, I want to talk about our sponsor, Sideline Swap. Best place to buy and sell lacrosse gear, hard-to-find college gear. List gear collecting dust in your garage, and Sideline Swap sends you a prepaid label when it sells. They make it easy to sell your old lacrosse swag. So go to sidelineswap.com or click the link in the description below. Now, I had said that both teams in this game were going to get over 13 goals. That panned out. That actually did happen. I called it, and I think in one of the uh, forum posts I had called 19-13 Syracuse. We were close. Syracuse ends up getting a couple of garbage goals towards the end there. At one point, this was a game with about four minutes left in the third or four and a half minutes left in the third quarter. It was a one-goal game, I think 12-11. to And then Syracuse, it just went off the rails for Hobart. They, the onslaught of Syracuse just kept coming and coming and coming, and eventually they end up putting it together. So uh, from the four-and-a-half-minute mark through the end of the game, Syracuse scored nine of the final 11 goals of the game and then just rolled from there. Twelve goals out of that first midfield line for Syracuse. We're talking about Duke's first midfield line struggling mightily and putting up goose eggs all around. We're talking about the Syracuse attack against Army not putting up any points. Uh, Syracuse attack to, uh, against Hobart today was a lot better. But 12 goals out of that first line. Dordovic goes 5-2. and two. Curry goes 5-1. and one. Tromboli has two goals in this game. He scored five against Army. So that first midfield line is proving they are the best midfield line in the country. Second midfield line struggled in this game against Hobart. They struggled a little bit, bit against Army. And I, I hate to beat players up and point players out, but the main weakness on that second midfield line has been Quinn. Quinn has been a black hole the last two games. In the first quarter of this game against Hobart, Quinn had two dodges, two bad shots that resulted in easy pop, just, you know, quick saves for Hobart and the ball. It's pretty much a turnover. And Quinn uh, had a hard time dodging. But in that first quarter, he really hurt that second midfield line and their flow. You could tell in the second quarter, Buttermore started being a little bit more assertive when they were out there. He ends up scoring two goals in this as well. So, you know, I don't... It, the end result was it got the first line more burn. I've always complained about how Syracuse splits time between their midfields way too evenly considering how good this first midfield line is. How it, And it's not even that. It's how much better the first midfield line is, is than the second. This this Syracuse first midline should be getting 60 to 70% of the burn. If they're ser serious about wanting to compete, make sure that at the end of every game these guys are at least a little bit tired. I suspect they are barely winded by the end of a game. They get so much uh, they share so much time with that second line. Not as much over the course of the second half. Desco did give that first line a lot more runs, and it proved it, it worked. It's it's what helped Syracuse get the separation in the end over Hobart. 
But yeah, Quinn Quinn looked a little rough. Libka even looked a little, little rough because I think what ends up happening is they now they're getting in the games and they're they're struggling and they're forcing it a little bit as they're trying to get their looks. I think that the the first line was doing that early and the second line looked good in the first couple of games and now we're starting to see the reverse. That first line is starting to settle in. Dordovic, Curry, and Tromboli and they're starting to look tough. The ride. For Syracuse, Hobart handled their business in the clearing game over the course of the first three quarters. And I think they only had one or two failed clears out of all of their clears in the first three quarters. Fourth quarter, they uh, have six clear attempts and they fail on three of them. So Syracuse's ride was relentless all game. I was just surprised every clear Hobart just kept handling it, getting it cleared, getting it cleared. And finally, over the fourth quarter, they started to falter a little bit. Syracuse forces a three turnovers in the clearing game or the riding game. And then that, that translates into points for them overall. Scanlon four and one on the day. So the Syracuse attack today reemerged. Scanlon goes four and one. Rafis goes one and two and Griffin Cook was only one and oh, but Griffin Cook forced two turnovers and an interesting stat. It, since they've been keeping us, the stat caused turnovers, uh, I think the most turnovers a Syracuse attackman has ever forced over an entire season is eight. And then I think the second was seven. I forget who the two guys were. Cook right now has seven forced turnovers over Syracuse's first, what is it, four games and uh, it, he's got a boatload of games left to play. So Griffin Cook is 100% going to break the record for Syracuse since that's been a stat since 2010 in terms of cause turnovers over the course, course of the season. And, I mean, it, it really could end up being all three Syracuse attackmen end up causing more than seven turnovers uh, from that side. So that it's not we're not just saying it. It's not just something that we're seeing because they're playing lesser opponents or anything like that. The Syracuse ride has really been relentless. They're one of the best riding teams in the country, and that has helped them win games and spread their margins out a little bit. One thing that I dug seeing, Jared Fernandez scored his first goal of his career. Now, that's surprising because Fernandez, as, a, as an LSM, Great LSM, great stick. It's just he would always get the ball up the field in transition and get rid of it. He had an opportunity to come down the middle of the field and score, and he did so. Syracuse defense did just enough to win this game. They didn't play great again, but what are you going to do against Hobart? We knew Hobart was going to put up points. You're not going to keep them off the off the scoreboard. So I felt like the Syracuse defense did just enough to disrupt their flow, especially over the course of the the second half of the third quarter and through the fourth, they played much better. They cleared the ball well. Uh, we have a little bit of a rough game out of Porter. Porter, for the first time this season, seven saves versus 13 goals against. So he didn't get above 50%. But once again, you're playing a formidable offensive team. You're missing your uh, two-time All-American defender, Nick Mellon. He may even be out next week still. So Syracuse is trying to figure it out on defense. Luckily, their offense is good enough to outscore teams and, and just keep coming at you. But it'll be interesting to see how that plays out as they start to get into this more brutal stretch of their schedule in the, uh, in the coming weeks. So overall, great outing. But uh, things that I liked, as I said, that first midfield line played tenacious the whole game. And once again, 12 goals that they put up over the course of this game is huge. It was good to see Scanlon get back in the mix. It was good to see Rafis get back in the mix. The Syracuse attack continuing to now getting back to putting up some points, but more importantly, riding like a bunch of crazy people. And uh, I'd like to see that second midfield line start to take care of the ball a little bit better. Just let the game come to them. Maybe let the attack run a little bit more of that offense as they're out there. Defensively, uh, Kennedy and company, they're going to be okay. Oh, one thing we can't forget to talk about, face-offs. FOP struggled. 
from the faceoff dot, Fop ended up only going five of twelve, and they ended up letting Varello take the bulk of the faceoffs. Varello went fifteen to twenty six, so that twenty to thirty eight faceoff margin, most of it, most of those wins, fifteen of those twenty wins came from Varello. So it was a little bit skewed in the beginning when Fop was in there, and Hobart was doing much better at the faceoff dot than than anybody expected. And then over the course of the uh, end of the second quarter through the second half, Varello took the bulk of them. So that's a great thing where your your faceoff guy, the guy who's been a stud for you at the dot, uh, isn't doing well, you end up having a guy like Varello, who was a former, you know, who was their former starting faceoff man. He can come in and win as many faceoffs as he did in this game. That's huge because it could have, it could have ended up being a different game if they didn't have another guy to lean on and Fop continued to struggle uh, through that game. So that was also a big deal. So that's it. Great game out of Hobart Cuse. Cuse continues to dominate the series, but Hobart has to feel good about the way they played overall. They, they probably don't. Uh, Hobart's a team that has a lot of hot, really, really high expectations, and they expect a lot out of themselves. So they're probably disappointed with this, but I'm not. I feel like they it was a good show for them. This was about the score that I expected in the end. I, I, was, I wasn't the least bit surprised by the outcome. What I was surprised about was how formidable offensively Hobart is. Uh, Eric Holden, one of the best attackmen in the country, he goes 3-2 and two, uh, with Kennedy primarily guarding him, and he scored both off-ball and off-dodges. Jason Knox, 1-2. and two. Archer, 1-1. One and one. Uh, Derek Madonna scored two uh, snipes from outside, so he looked good, so... Hobart's going to be fine, especially if they can win win 50% of the faceoffs and, and, and even up possessions. Teams are going to have a hard time keeping Hobart down, so they're going to look nice coming out of the NAC. All in all, great game. As always, thank you for watching. Be sure to like, subscribe, hit the notification bell. Go to our sponsor, sidelineswap.com. You can see the link in the description below. And as always, you can go to laxfactor.com and get yourself some swag, hats, t-shirts, all sorts of other stuff. And you can watch all our videos and listen to our audio podcast there as well. So that is it. Thank Thank you and enjoy. Oh, yeah. And come back Monday and Tuesday as we recap more games and, and, and do the deep dive into all of the games that went on this weekend. Thank you and enjoy.